Welcome to Mystery with the History. This is a podcast that looks at the who, what, when, where, and tries to find the why in a mystery. I'm Katie. I'm Anomaly. And welcome to episode seven. Yes, we're doing this. Since we are a new podcast, we ask that if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow along on social media. We are on Instagram and TikTok at Mystery with the History Pod and Facebook and Twitter at Mystery with the History Podcast. How are you doing today, Katie? I am very good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy December. Happy December. It's Christmas season. Do you have your lights up yet? I have nothing up yet. But today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to start. My kiddo does not like us to start decorating before December. Are you kidding? Mine are like after Halloween. They're ready to put the Christmas tree up. No, I have a very somber teen. (laughs) But it's time to get all the baking supplies out. Yes. Um, Ready to do some baking. And I'm ready to talk about some Christmas-themed topics. Yes. And today you're going to start us out with that. You're going to be talking about Icelandic traditions, I believe. I am. Awesome. So, you know, we're recording this on a very chilly but a very sunny day in Studio Elroy. And if you don't know, if you've just joined us, Elroy is my 2005 Airstream Bambi. And his name is Elroy. We're lucky to live in a place where, although it gets cold, it does occasionally snow. Uh, Never lasts for long, luckily. Within a couple days, we're back to slush and green grass. But when it does snow, we get real excited about it. We do, yes. (laughs) Today's story takes place on a dark and snowy island. So grab a cup of something warm, put on your coziest socks, and let's begin. The snow-covered land of ice and fire known as Iceland seems like the most postcard-perfect Christmas backdrop. Katie, can't you just imagine it as the quintessential setting for a Hallmark Christmas movie? A fire in the hearth, snow falling, Mm -hmm. and a sassy businesswoman who learns to slow down and enjoy life after meeting a ruggedly handsome lumberjack or reindeer herder. And he always has a beard. He always has a beard. And a plaid shirt. (laughs) And a plaid shirt. I've got one of those at home. Spoiler alert, the reindeer farm is saved and they fall in love and live happily ever after. (laughs) In actuality, Christmas is a pretty big deal in Iceland. They decorate their houses with lights, have trees with ornaments, eat meals with family, and open presents. Mm -hmm. Much like in the U.S. and many other parts of the world. I mean, they actually have real reindeer there, so they kind of have an advantage on the whole magical winter wonderland thing. And Santa lives just, like, right up there. He's right up there. It seems surprising, then, that their holiday mascots are troublemaking trolls and a cat that devours children. Oh, Today, we'll take a look at Icelandic Christmas folklore. As I've stated, most holiday traditions in Iceland are pretty similar to here in the U.S. Some differ slightly from ours, like their celebration on December 23rd, where they go shopping and eat pickled and putrefied skate. Do you know what a skate is? I do. It's a fish. Yeah. It's like a a ray, like those flat. Yeah. When I was a kid, we used to go fishing and I would catch them. Oh, nice. Off the shore. And my grandpa would always have to cut them off the line because, you know, they're kind of scary. Yeah, they are kind of <laughs> scary. Did you ever eat them pickled and putrefied? Nope, no, no putrefied skate. 
Apparently they have enzymes that are not really conducive to eating right. fresh. And they do that to commemorate the patron saint of Iceland, St. Thorlak. Mm. They also choose to observe Christmas on the 24th when presents, mostly books, are exchanged. And then the next two days are spent attending parties and visiting with extended family. But overall, the holiday vibe is similar. Houses are cleaned and decorated. New Christmas clothes are bought. Do they do ugly Christmas sweaters? I hope so. And the smell of freshly baked cookies permeates the air. The history of Christmas in Nordic lands and subsequently in Iceland can be traced back to before Christianity, when people in Northern Europe celebrated the winter solstice. Mm -hmm. In Iceland, the celebrations for the solstice were a huge affair. Landowners would invite neighbors to their homes to feast and drink, and the emphasis was on the drink. Of course. They most likely dined on a pig that had been sacrificed, mm -hmm. and possibly game birds like a ptarmigan. In the year 1000 CE, after Christianity was adopted, they incorporated these traditions into their Christmas celebration, kind of like we have here. So Christmas has a twofold purpose in Iceland, to celebrate the lengthening days and the birth of Christ. In fact, the Icelandic word for Christmas, Yol, is a Norse word and also exists in Old English as Yule, meaning Christmas or winter type celebration. Okay. Yeah. A large part of Icelandic Christmas is the folklore that has been passed down through the generations about creatures that come sneaking around at this special time of year. And they don't wear red pajamas and go ho, 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 or have bright red noses that light up to navigate bad weather. These creatures are slightly more sinister and were created centuries ago to keep children on the right path. Ooh. Christmas in Iceland is very much a holiday geared towards children. They get several weeks off school, and on the last day before the break, they sing carols, eat cookies, and light candles in their classroom. That sounds dangerous. It does. <laughs> As anyone who's been a teacher can tell you, there's not a whole lot of teaching that goes on that last day of school. No. Much of Icelandic Christmas folklore is aimed at teaching kids to be good throughout the year. Like when we tell kids, Santa sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. <laughs> or be good or, you're, or you'll get on Santa's naughty list. And honestly, some stories were just meant to frighten children. I mean, what else are you going to do in the winter in Iceland? The stories center around mountain-dwelling characters who travel into the towns during Christmas. In fact, Icelandic children set shoes on their windowsills in hopes of small gifts from these creatures. Christmas starts on December 24th and proceeds until January 6th, when all decorations come down and there are just short days really long nights, and lots of wind, snow, and, yes, ice to look forward to until spring comes. So these creatures have 13 days to wreak havoc until the trees, lights, and garland come down. And then it's back up the mountain until next year. Most of these figures have evolved to be benign pranksters, but they started out in legends as more sinister and are still used to teach kids a lesson today. The characters of Icelandic folklore all live together in a cave as a family. Oh. Grilla is an ogress or troll woman. Okay. She has an appetite for the flesh of mischievous children whom she cooks up in a large pot. Ah, wonderful. Yeah. She has a lazy husband who mostly just stays in their cave. Same girl. <laughs> <laughs> Her origins are rooted in medieval literature, and she has been mentioned in texts as far back as the 13th century in poetry by the famed Icelandic poet Snorri Sturluson. Have you read much of his poetry? He's my favorite. <laughs> he is very famous in Iceland. I'm sure. 
Trolls aren't one species in Nordic texts, but they seem to kind of share certain characteristics. They're always hideous. Uh-huh. They're very strong. Mm-hmm. They're lustful and cannibalistic. Oh, wow. By the 17th century, the 13 Yule Lads were invented, and they're the children of Grilla and Lepaluthi. And please do not criticize my Icelandic pronunciation. I'm doing the best I can. No, you can email us and tell her everything (laughs) she's pronounced wrong. That's right. (laughs) I welcome any listeners from Iceland. The children are not as dark and treacherous as their mother, but they're very mischievous. Okay. They don't actually eat children. But if you're a naughty child, the Yule Lads will put rotten veggies in your shoes. That's just rude. I know. And they are known to reward good children with gifts. But overall, they're troublemaking pranksters. The Yule Lads each have a name that conveys their distinct method of harassment. And they come into town one by one during the 13 days of Christmas to judge the children by their behavior. And at this point, I can only picture Dwight Schrute as Bell Schnickel judging his co-workers as impish or admirable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so admirable youngsters receive gifts in their shoes, and the impish ones get rotten potatoes stuffed in their stockings. Ugh. The Yule Lads' names are... Would you like to hear what each of their names are? Absolutely, I do. I want to hear you pronounce every one of them. <laughs> I'm going to actually say them in English. Okay. And some of them are kind of self-explanatory, and some of them I will explain. So there's Sheepfold Stick. Okay. And he harasses sheep. Uh, Okay. There's Gully Gawk. He steals cow milk. Okay. Gross. There's Stubby. Mm -hmm. Poor guy. He's just short. (laughs) Poor little Stubby. (laughs) There's Spoon Licker. Ew, gross. (laughs) Pot Licker. uh, No. No better. Bowl Licker. That's just unsanitary. Door slammer. That's a teenager. And skier gobbler. A skier gobbler? Yep. Do you, are you familiar with skier? Like not going downhill skiers. Right. Skier is like a yogurt. That oh, is, yes. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sausage stealer. Okay. He apparently hides in the rafters. I guess they hang their sausages and he takes them. That's not nice. Window peeper. (laughs) We're going to call him Tom. (laughs) There's Sniffer, who seeks out food in people's houses. Okay. Meat Hook, Uh which is kind of an unsavory name. He steals leftover meat. So he's another teenager. Yeah. And Candle Beggar. And Candle Beggar. So, a person who hangs out at Bath and Body Works sales. <laughs> That's right. Okay, perfect. These characters often show up at dances dressed in red clothing with black boots, mm-hmm. giving out treats for the kitties and joining in the dancing and caroling. They're pretty much the Icelandic equivalent of Santa with a little sass added. Okay. So as weird and wacky as the Yule Lads seem, we haven't even talked about the most popular and also the darkest and most frightening Icelandic Christmas creature, the Jólakotturinn. Oh, no. Or Yule Cat. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. He's not cute, Katie. Oh, okay. According to legend, the Yule or Christmas cat is a monstrously large black cat belonging to Grilla herself. So like my Voldemort. He is exactly like Voldemort. We'll put a picture of Katie's cat. He is the Yule cat if I ever saw one. He towers over houses, peering into windows. Mm-hmm. He only appears on Christmas Eve and has one objective, 
as the little ones sleep in their beds, dreaming of sugar plums, etc. The Yola Kotorin is checking under the tree to make sure the children have all received items of clothing among their gifts. Why? I don't know. <laughs> if not, the story goes, he will feast upon any of those unfortunate children. Oh, no. Personally, my teen never really gets excited about getting new clothes at Christmas, no. so I might have to introduce him to the Yule Cat. In an article in the Reykjavik Grapevine, reporter Hulker S. Magnuson wrote, This is the kind of message Icelanders like to send out in their folklore. If you do not have the money or means of acquiring new items of clothing before the Festival of Lights, you will be eaten by a gigantic cat. Oh, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> Magnuson mused that the threat of being eaten by the Yule Cat might inspire children to give clothes or money to the less fortunate, which could help them escape being the meal of a giant cat through their generosity and kindness. So be a good person or you get eaten by an evil giant cat. Exactly. Okay. I'm kind of confused as to why children would be punished for not receiving clothes on Christmas, but it seems that the message is that children who haven't received clothes haven't earned them, mm -hmm. and the Yule Cat acts as an incentive for the less well off to work hard to ensure that everyone has something new and warm to wear for Christmas, avoiding the fate of being eaten by a ferocious feline. Uh, I guess I can see the logic in that. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Kind of, yeah. No one can pinpoint where the story of the Yola Kotorin originated, although written accounts from the 19th century have been located. He was made famous in 1932 in a beloved poem by Johannes Urkotlum called The Christmas Cat. That's the English title, obviously. Here's an excerpt from this poem. Okay. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. I would assume this rhymes in Icelandic. <laughs> Probably. His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws was a terrible sight. Because you mustn't let the cat get hold of the little children, they had to get something new to wear from the grown-ups each year. Mm -hmm. And when the lights came on, on Yule Eve, and the cat peered in, the little children stood rosy and proud, all dressed up in their new clothes, some had gotten an apron, some had gotten shoes, or something that was needed. That was all it took. It seemed that the child-eating Grilla needed a like-minded cat, so the Christmas cat was created. Cats are referred to several times in dark and mysterious manners across Norse mythology. <laughs> in Scandinavian folklore, witches and wizards would conjure up a creature called Troll Cat using various disgusting ingredients like dead men's nails and bones, which would do their bidding. Shamans also sometimes take up residence in a feline body. The nightmare, a succubus-ish creature, is also able to disguise herself as a cat when invading people's homes. I don't ever want my home invaded by anything called the nightmare. No, me neither. The logic is probably that cats are common as domestic animals. They are also nimble and quiet enough to steal into buildings and chambers. The nocturnal nature of cats is probably also a bonus. Mm -hmm. As with most folklore, the role of the Yule Cat has changed over time. Originally, the threat of being eaten was used by farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. The ones who took part in the work would be rewarded with new clothes, but those who did not would get nothing, and thus be preyed on by a monstrous cat. 
So while Christmas is a joyous holiday in Iceland full of family, food, and fun, there are dark, sinister legends that are used to keep children on the straight and narrow. Let's hope we never end up in Grilla's bubbling pot or at the mercy of the Yule Lad's hijinks, and especially never to become the prey of the monstrous and ferocious Jolokotterin, Iceland's original fashion police. Oh. <laughs> see what I did there? I see. Isn't that crazy? That is a crazy story. It's so different. I mean, we see a lot of parallels between, like, European Christmas mm-hmm. traditions. You know, it seems like Germany has Krampus. Right. Um, and France has Fa- uh, Père Noël. Right. So there's a lot of Santa-type creatures, but uh, this cat is very unique. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that was a great story. Well, thank you. I enjoyed uh, researching that. So do you have any Christmas traditions at your house that are different or unique? Um, I'm really not a person who carries through with things very well. So right. our traditions, like, I'll start something one year, and then nobody really responds positively to it, <laughs> so I just drop it. Right. But uh, that's about it. What about you? You seem like a very tradition-heavy person. Uh- Let's see. I was trying to think of anything that we do every year. I mean, we kind of have the tradition of we eat Thanksgiving lunch and then we clean up lunch and then put out Christmas stuff. Nice. It's just kind of like a quiet Mm -hmm. afternoon and it's just a fun activity. That's kind of our main tradition. I like that. Yeah. We had the pickle on the Christmas tree every year. Oh. That's fun. Then my kids fight over who gets, right. you know, who won and who spotted it first. And that but. it's not a real pickle, right? No, it's a little glass, a little glass pickle. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I thought so. I want to say, I think that's a German tradition, maybe. I'm oh. Hiding. And, and then mm-hmm. supposedly whichever kid finds it first gets a prize. But I always forget to buy a prize, so. Oh. <laughs> you just get to open the first Christmas present at oh, our nice. house. <laughs> well, there you go. There's the incentive. Very good. Well, make sure that the kids have some clothing under the tree this year. I guess they're going to get socks and underwear for Christmas. They'll be thrilled. I'm going to tell them that it's because of Anomaly. <laughs> That's right. And the Yule Cat. And the Yule Cat. <laughs> Dear listeners, that brings us to the end of our story. We really hope that you enjoyed today's episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. You can find all of our sources for this episode on our website, mysterywiththehistory.buzzsprout.com. Follow Mystery with the History on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, where we will post photos from our episodes and more. Mystery with the History is written and produced by us, Anomaly and Katie. New episodes air every Tuesday on most podcast outlets, so be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to rate us and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and stay Stay curious. curious. Until next week. Bye. Bye.